recently, Mary and I received a note from a 93-year-old friend. And at the end of that note, printed on the note paper that she used, was a quote that read, Each of you will be a blessing to the other. And then it gave a biblical reference, Romans 1, 12. And when I read that note, I was struck by the thought in that quote, but also by the fact that it just didn't sound like Romans, the first chapter, and so I looked it up, and sure enough, the translation that I normally use didn't read that way at all, and I began to check other translations on my library shelves and even checked the contemporary translations and some paraphrases, and none of them were translated that way, but the tried and true version of that translation read like this, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. The same thought, actually. And that's what I want us to think about this morning and to talk about this morning, how that each of us can be mutually encouraged by each other's faith as we bless one another in that faith. I began to check out the context of that particular passage as well and found that Paul was writing from Corinth about mid-first century and he began that letter to the Romans by saying to all in Rome who are loved by God and called but to be saints, grace to you in peace. And then he says, first I, thank you, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. And then he said, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Now when we hear that word that's in our title today, blessed or blessing, I'm reminded of how that word has moved from its original environment, from the sacred to the secular, from the spiritual to the mundane, from the scriptures to the vanity license plates, and from the church to the checkout line at the grocery store. And when we hear that word used in those secular ways, have a blessed day, or as we sometimes say in the South, and particularly when we mean it in a positive way, bless your heart, does it not, in fact, somehow stir within us some reflection deep down beneath the surface of the original meaning and the genuine purpose of that term as it's used in the Scriptures? And does it not remind us of the fact that it's a term that's used over and over and over again in the scriptures? I was curious when I began the sermon and I consulted my concordance and found three whole pages 
triple columns listing the biblical references where that word is used. It begins on the first pages of Genesis. When God had completed creation, he called it good, and he blessed it. And then in the call of Abraham that was read in our first lesson this morning, God blessed Abraham and promised that he would bless all peoples through him. And then we turn over to the Psalms, and the very first Psalm, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but delights in the law of the Lord. Or the 103rd Psalm, bless, O Lord, I've forgotten the quotation, (laughs) bless, O my soul, the living Lord, and forget not all of his benefits. And then when we turn to the New Testament, in the words of Jesus, when he healed people and laid his hands on them, he blessed them. He took little children up into his arms and blessed them. And then on that last supper with his disciples, when he instituted the sacrament, he took the bread and blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, do this in remembrance of me. And finally, on the last page of the book of Revelation, a blessing was given, the grace of Jesus Christ to be to all of God's people. Blessing is a word in scriptures that is always charged with spiritual power. And it is charged with spiritual power because it has its origins in God himself. A blessing can be tangible or intangible. A blessing can be visible or invisible. It can be a direct blessing from God or an indirect blessing through someone else. When the minister pronounces the benediction to you, it's a blessing from God through him when he pronounces that benediction. God blessed Abraham directly. But he said, indirectly, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. But however those blessings are received, they always originate with God. And this morning as we think about God's blessings that have been poured out upon his people throughout the ages, the very first visible witness as to how God has poured out those gifts upon us is seen in creation itself in its beauty, and in its wonder. Some of you, I know, have taken trips, sometimes protracted trips, to the West, and you've enjoyed the beauty of God's creation there that's so different from our part of the country, in the national parks and in the mountain ranges and all of the rock formations and all of the wildlife. It's a, it's a great picture of God's wonder and God's mercies upon us and if you really want to be awed by God's sovereign power and his majesty particularly in terms of his creation and how he rules over creation even to this day read the 104th psalm and read it over again and reflect upon it before time began The wonder of the invisible world rested in the mind of God, ready to be revealed at creation. And at creation, time and space began. 
and every mountain formation, every tree, every stream, every flower, every star in the heavens, all of these things were a magnificent display of God's blessings upon humankind. When we are sensitive to those things, to God's creation around us, the the beauty of of the skies on any given day, the, the sense of nature that we live in, all of God's creatures, when we are sensitive to those things, God renews those blessings to us. And he promised us that these are our things to use, to care for, and to have dominion over. The second witness to the very, at the very heart of God's miracle of creation is the gift of life itself. Our very presence in this world is a primal gift from God. To come to birth is, is a miracle of creation all over again. And how many of us have not wept with joy at the birth of a child or the birth of a grandchild because we recognize how precious that gift is, how precious a human life is. And that's why we place such value upon human life today. And that's why we set aside one Sunday each year, we should do more, to recognize the sacredness of human life. And that's why we hear people today saying, Black lives matter, blue lives matter, gay lives matter, all lives matter before God. And that's why we are so appalled at the things that we see happening in our world today when people take the lives of other human beings in acts of terror and in other horrible ways without any regard to the value of that human life. The third manifestation of God's blessings upon us is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The scriptures say that God himself took upon himself the form of a human being to come and dwell in our midst and to offer himself on the cross as a payment for the penalty of our sin. Two weeks ago, Philip had one of his famous sermons on the book of Revelation. I wasn't here last week. I'm sure he had another one. And I thought on that particular sermon that he not only gave a wonderful portrayal of what was recorded in those chapters that he preached on today, describing the troubles and the sorrows of humanity in this world and and how that the prince of the power of the air reigns over the lives of human beings in such a way that that all of us have sinned and gone astray. And then he talked about that great last judgment scene when all of us will stand before our maker and before God's throne and will be called upon to give an account of how we have lived our lives and how we've used the gifts that God has given us. And then he talked about Jesus Christ who will be there to make intercession for us and to give us his salvation through faith if we put our trust in him. And that's a blessing, a gift that can be trusted, not only today but tomorrow 
and throughout all eternity. And the fourth means through which God has bestowed his favor upon us is through other human beings. And that goes back to what Paul was talking about when he wrote to the Romans. And he said, I I long to come to you to bring you some spiritual gift in order that we might encourage one another in the faith. That's what it means, I think, by that little phrase that you see on your church publication time after time, that we are blessed to be a blessing to others, to each other. And some of life's richest blessings come on the lips of other human beings and from the hands of other human beings who display God's blessings through their words and through their actions. John, John O'Donohue is, is a Roman Catholic priest, or was. He died at the age of 52, an Irishman. And he was given the gift of writing and speaking in such a way that that our hearts are literally kindled by his words that he's put down on the printed page. And he had a way, he had a way in all of his writing and speaking of, of somehow just enveloping us with a sense of God's presence and God's love and God's blessings upon us. He's written a little book that we sometimes use in our devotions, and I would commend it to you. It's called to bless the space between us. And in there he has a chapter on blessings. And he begins the chapter this way. He says, there's a kindness that dwells deep down in things. It presides everywhere in places we least expect. The world can be harsh and negative, but if we remain generous and patient, kindness inevitably reveals itself. Something deep in the human soul seems to depend on the presence of kindness. The word kindness has a gentle sound that seems to echo in the presence of compassionate goodness. And I think all of us can identify with that. We know what he's talking about. We know what it's like to experience someone else's kindness toward us. It it may be as simple as a smile. It may be as simple as a kind word. It may be a kind gesture. But when someone else is kind kind toward us, we feel as if that person understands us and accepts us as we are without judgment. And we are blessed by that. And I believe that this concept that O'Donoghue talks about is at the very heart of what it means to be a blessing to others. It's what blessed to be a blessing is all about. An act or a gesture of kindness, something more than, than a hug or a handshake or a greeting, but something in one's demeanor that expresses to another human being that that human being is loved and recognized as a person of worth and value. 
Sometimes that expression of kindness and goodness comes non-verbally through the very presence of another human being. I made reference earlier to my 50 years in the life of this congregation, and I was thinking about that as I wrote the sermon about how many people who've gone on now before us who have blessed us by their very presence and how on Sunday morning just to see that person sitting in the pew or have that person greet us in the hallway somehow was a great spiritual blessing. Whether you grew up here or not, I'm sure that all of you have had experiences like that. People who just because of who they were and the manner in which they had given themselves over in service to God were a blessing. And I could name several who have left us within the past year or two who stood out in such a way that their very presence was a blessing in our midst. Now all of us are aware when someone goes out of his way to do something nice for us to bless us in some way but we're not always aware of how on a daily basis we may be experiencing a blessing unknown and how that on any given day someone may come to us as the scriptures say as angels unaware because the script of our lives is not always visible at any given moment Paul said that we see through a glass darkly, and that's out of context, but Paul didn't know what he was talking about, how true that truism is, because we are so dense sometimes to what's going on around us in life. We may not always be aware of the various junctures or thresholds in our lives when we have been profoundly blessed and even changed and transformed by someone else's life. And yet, when we look back over the course of a lifetime, we can see those things. Several years ago, as some of you know, I set about the task, finally, of setting down my, the story of my life in a memoir-type uh, setting. And it was uh, kind of drudge work in some ways because I had to research certain dates and places and things, but... One of the great blessings from having done that was to look back and see how on specific occasions God had blessed me in ways that totally transformed and changed the direction of my life. When we look back, we're able to see that sometimes. One of the things that that I called to mind was the fact that we had, I had been in seminary a year, and we'd been out preaching during the summer, and our daughter, Lisa, who's up here somewhere, was uh, born during that summer, and we had packed up to go back to seminary. I had a $50 bonus check from the church where I'd been preaching, and we got a little trailer, and we put all of our worldly possessions in it. We went out back to Jew West, and we backed up to our apartment in Vetville. That's another story. And we were unloading that trailer and wondering how on earth are we going to survive with a brand new baby three weeks old during the school year with no visible means of income or support except that $50, some of which had already been used. 
And Dill Allison, the new dean of the seminary, drove up, and he got out and told us what a cute baby we had. And then he said, Bob, the reason I'm down here is that the church at Casey, Edwards Memorial, needs a preacher Sunday morning, and I wondered if you'd be willing to preach, and I said, sure. And he said, and if they like you, they will want you to supply for the rest of the year. What a blessing that was. Dill had no way of knowing that how desperate we were on that particular occasion, and yet God used him to supply our needs and to bless us at the outset of another year in seminary. And I could go on, and, and I will mention a few occasions when God has intervened through other human beings. Uh, had an occasion when my second pastorate, when an elder came and sat down in my study and said, if I could tell you something, and you, some of you have heard this story, if I could tell you something that you need to know, would you like to hear it? And reluctantly, I said yes. And he said, well, there's some people who think you aren't very friendly. And I said, how could it be? But he said, well, when you come down to the church on Sunday morning, the manse, people standing around in the churchyard, and you just walk by and throw up your hand and go on to your study. They don't think that's very friendly. And I said, well, what do you think I should do? And he said, go over and shake their hands and speak to them and ask how their week was and tell them you're glad to see them. What a blessing that turned out to be as I learned that you really do have to be nice to people and let them know <laughs> that they matter. And then I came here and had a few difficulties during that first year or two, and I was sort of floundering around, and the congregation was wondering, what, what, what about this terrible mistake we've made? And... W.O. Ragsdale, who was an old bachelor at a church in Lancaster, called me up one day and said, I want to come over and have lunch with you. And I said, sure. And he came over and said, I know you're having a few problems, and I just wanted to talk with you about it. And he said, Bob, what you need to learn is you've got to earn people's respect before you can expect to be a leader and expect them to follow. I've never forgotten those words, and I've tried to impart those words to every young minister that I've had an opportunity to speak to as they begin their ministry. We have to earn the respect of people if we're going to be their pastor. What a blessing it was to learn that early on in my ministry. And then there are also occasions when God uses us to minister to other people. Several years ago, since I retired, I had uh, performed a wedding in uh, Greenville, Molly Grigsby's sister's wedding. And we were just leaving the reception at that wedding and had a phone call from Patrick saying that one of the young men who had grown up in the congregation that I'd had the privilege of ministering to had been in a terrible accident. He had fallen and was in critical condition in the hospital. And Mary and I went directly to the hospital and I had the occasion to be there with his parents who were there all alone in a strange place to sit with them, to pray with them, 
to offer my support and my care and concern. And then two days later, to come back and to sit with them as that young, handsome son drew his last breath. And then to share with them their grief at the funeral service a couple of days later. You see, God sometimes has a way of using us that we least expect. And sometimes he uses us in ways that we're not even aware of to minister to somebody. Have you ever taken the time to speak to a total stranger or maybe just to smile and to have a conversation open up where you've had the privilege to share with that person who may be going through some terrible distress in his or her life. God uses us to be a blessing to other people. And the final channel of blessings that I want to mention just briefly is that of Christian fellowship. I'm talking about fellowship within the church among God's people. One of the greatest needs in a world like ours that is often harsh, as the hymn we just sang talked about, one of the greatest, uh, or maybe it's the last hymn, I'm not sure, but anyway, we live in a world where there are terrible things going on, and people feel disenfranchised from one another, and we've been told throughout the years that's why young people join gangs, Today we're hearing that's why young people are being recruiting and join, joining ISIS because they're so disenfranchised from the world. There is no greater gang or club or group to belong to than the church of Jesus Christ and the fellowship of that church and the friendship that is shared together within that fellowship. This church we've heard over and over and over again is a caring congregation. And when people visit, they say, you're a friendly congregation. And the reason is that people here have found a friendship and a fellowship in the small groups, Sunday school classes and circles, and choirs and prayer groups, session, the board of deacons. And they have cultivated friendships where people care for one another pray for one another, and undergird one another in all of their needs and in all of their cares. What a blessing God has given us. Jesus Christ called us his friends. He called, calls us, I believe, to friends one another. And what a blessing it is, and I think unparalleled, among Christian people to know that we have Christian friends who are praying for us and supporting us and caring for us in every circumstance in life, in our joys as well as in our sorrows. Book of Proverbs, the writer of the book of Proverbs says that a friend loves us at all times. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants but friends. He also said, no greater love has any man than he who lays down his life for his friends, and you are my friends. God has blessed us in so many rich ways, through the beauty of his creation, through the gift of life. What a precious gift. 
through personal gifts that are unique to our own personalities that can be used in his service through the gift of his son and the salvation that he's provided for us. And with all of these gifts, he said in another place, to whom much is given, much is required. And you may be asking this morning, how can I be a blessing? How does God expect me to be a blessing? Well, I think it's not arrogant, it's not conceited, it's not vain to realize that God does indeed expect and require us to be a blessing to those around us, to open ourselves to him, to allow him to send his blessings into the lives of others. And just as we have been blessed by others who've gone before us and who live beside us today, so we are called to be a blessing to others ourselves.